Welcome to the Exploring Leadership Podcast, where we interview experienced HR leaders and executives to define what the most effective leaders are made of and how to help underperforming leaders transform into the best they can be. Brought to you by Lumen Leadership. Now, here's your host, Spencer Taylor. Well, I am delighted to have as my guest today, Devin Patel, who is the CEO, president, and co-founder at Geostar, which stands for Global Institute of Stem Cell Therapy and Research, headquartered in San Diego, California. Devin, welcome. So grateful you're with me today. Thank you so much. This is awesome. You made the first introduction and you did not miss a single word. It's a long company name and you did it. Awesome job. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, you bet. And I'm, I will confess, I'll probably just say Geostar from here on out, but that's I think it's important for. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. We call, we are known as Geostar, but the main name is Global Institute of Stem Cell Therapy and Research, again, based in San Diego, California. Terrific. Yep. That, that's, that's awesome. And I'm really excited to dive in, uh, because you're, you're involved in something that is huge in terms of, uh, the size of your organization and also the impact that you already have made and that you you are committed to continuing to make uh, as you go forward into the future. Before we go to that, though, I'd really be interested to hear about you, kind of you and your story. What are the kind of some of those headlines or highlights of your life that will help us understand a bit of, of who Devin Patel is and what has brought you to the point of leading this great organization? Uh, that's a very difficult question, but I'll try. <laughs> I still don't know. I'm still searching. Who am I? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Fair enough. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, yes, I've been a, a blessed, blessed human being. Let's put it that way. And uh, I live my life in total gratitude. And I was taught that uh, long, long, long ago at a very early age uh, of my, uh, you know, from my father and my grandfather. They were the spiritual giants, but actually... They were the leaders and lawmakers, legislators, lawyers, you know, but uh, they taught me very simple lessons from the early life. So I didn't have much confusion in life. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting just the way you describe it, that you you come from a family of influencers, I guess you could say, again, doctors, lawyers, uh, those that are really looking to make a, a pretty tremendous impact in the world. How did that shape you in your youth? You know, as you were, uh, I don't know if, if there was something in your childhood that really stood out that made you think someday I'm going to do something that big or bigger. Not, again, not, not in a competitive sense, but just in yeah. wanting to follow their example. Yeah, always because they were kind of people who always served, served and served and not talking about it, not bragging about it, not advertising about it. That's what their lifestyle, you know. They served, they fought for the uh, justice for the people who cannot afford the justice or lawyers. So they always help people who need a presentation. Uh, so they always fought for people who are oppressed, you know, and they always fought for the justice. So it was, you're born in it, you live through it. So it, it is not something you, they have to teach you any lessons or anything. You just learn by watching them. And I always, uh, I don't know what, what's wrong with me, but... <laughs> It's just, um, I was, I'm a very, uh, uh, how do I say, compassionate person, maybe, maybe, because every time I see somebody uh, not feeling good, I get so emotional, you know, and I have the whole ball of energy comes out of me and goes to that person automatically. Since I was a child, it's just even if I hear some pain in somebody's voice, even I didn't see that person, it's just the voice, the tonality tells me that there's some kind of something so that person has some problems, situations, suffering, whatever it is. I don't know. 
And I get so emotional. I mean, my whole body just gets emotional and the whole bowl of compassion comes out and goes to them. And I, it's just instant prayer comes and say, you know, God, help them, you know. <laughs> mm. Wow. Well, I, I really admire that. Not only just how amazing it is to acknowledge that you have this gift or this ability, it, it probably is maybe a, not a curse, but it, it might be a challenge sometimes too, because you want to help everybody and you have to be able to focus on on those that you, I guess, can help, which again, anyway, I don't know how I, no, no, no. <laughs> if I phrase that the right way. That is very important. You said that very right, that I want to do so much for so many people. And I feel like, oh my God, I haven't been able to do that. And you are absolutely right. I feel that. I, mm-hmm. I Not a pressure, but it's not a dissatisfaction, but it's more of a, like a, the urge grows. As I grew, the urge to do something for others, but that is, I don't want to say others anymore. You know, I'm in, I'm in the life and the stage and the, uh, because of my spiritual practices allowed me to expand myself, you know. So you, you know, you are now part of me. You know, you are, you know, like I live in San Diego. San Diego is part of me. You know, California, I live in California. California is part of me. I live in the United States. The United States is part of me. I live on this earth. This earth is part of me. I'm part of that. It's it's a oneness I'm talking about. And that whole uh, expansion has been happening. Mean not not that I'm trying, not that I was doing something. It just was happening. And uh, it's hard to judge anymore. Let's put it that way. <laughs> hmm. That's that's a great great way to say it. I love how you put that. And I think we we are in such dire need of more of that uh, that thinking and that oneness. You know, I love how you just started kind of right where you are, San Diego, California, United States, planet Earth. Like we're all one people in the sense that we're all integrated by sharing this experience, and we can all help and support and serve each other rather than some of the hard things that we've seen happen, especially in the last 12 to 18 months uh, with a lot of the civil unrest around the world and uh, particularly here in the U.S., uh, unusual, at least uh, for the previous several decades, you know, the, some of the worst that we've had. Um, anyway, so that's that's uh, maybe we'll kind of come back around to that or tie that in somehow. Before that, I really wanted to thank you and thank your family for your service to this country. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. And it means a lot to me. You're so kind to offer that. I appreciate that. Thank you for for saying that. I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, we're, we're thankful to have had a lot of the experiences and it's helped us, uh, kind of like your statement, it's helped us have a little bit more clarity in, in the way we see the world. So thank you for being so generous at that compliment. Very good of you to say. So you said something in our off-air conversation a, a few weeks ago when we were kind of planning out uh, just how we would approach this overall that has stuck with me ever since then. Like I've thought about it a, a, a lot. And the phrase that I wrote down, I might not have captured your words exactly correctly, but you said, don't just love it, be it. And it's almost become cliche in, at least in American society, to say, do what you're passionate about. And so I want to kind of try to connect the two a little bit in the sense that to me, what you said, don't just love it, be it is more than just do what you're passionate about. Like it's really, it has to do with focus, with dedicating your whole self and your whole soul to something and not just investing like your work hours into something, but investing your whole self into it. So any, any commentary or thoughts around that whole concept or idea? Uh, It's nothing complicated. You know, Mahatma Gandhi said, and that's on my LinkedIn profile, the first line, be the change you wanted to see in the world. Be the change 
that you want to see in the world. So, you know, you want to be a compassion, then you become a compassion. You want to, uh, you know, serve people, uh, hungry people, then you experience the hunger. You become a hunger and then you automatically feed not yourself, but the whole world, you know. So it is so easy and, and only way to grow. And you know, you're, you've been to, you know, uh, you have a lot of experiences in a military and your past life. And pain is the only way to grow. Simple as that. Pain is only way to evolve. Pain is only way of becoming something bigger than you. And if there is no pain, there is no gain. And we, we take it and we use that so lightly. But if you see, really pay attention to it, it is very, very deep thought. No pain, no gain means you're not going to grow. You know, let's say if everything is so beautiful, heavenly on the earth, would do you think anybody would even care for God? <laughs> everything is here. <laughs> everything is True. here. Everything's beautiful. Everything's taken care of. Then you, do, you are a God then. <laughs> you don't need a God. You see? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so that whole itch, I would call it, to do something bigger than you, beyond than you, is not something ego-driven. It is not something uh, greed-driven. It is not something fear-driven. It is your inherent nature of soul, which is made in his image. It means you mm. are empowered soul, and you have the, all the ability to do all that, to manifest all that that you call a god, because you're part made in his image so it is that itch it is to go back to the root it is that you want to that's why you don't find satisfaction in anything on this earth it doesn't matter how many billions you have how many good friends you have how many good family you have at the end of the day something is missing what is that missing is that soul inclination to become one with that ultimate source that's what it is put so beautifully but i'm grateful for what you just shared that's really powerful you were born in India, is that yes. right? Yes. Okay, yes. so how did you go from a boy growing up in India? You're watching your your elders, I guess your your uh, father, father and, and grandfather, and who, yeah, yeah, grandfather. Uh, how did you go from that to uh, coming to the U.S. and taking on the cause that now is is really what you're all about? Uh, well, you know, they were larger than lives. You know, they lived life larger than life. So for me, that was. It was imprinted in me, you know, automatically, but in a spiritual way, not in uh, uh, physical way. My grandfather was larger than life man, you know, so respected man, but never bought anything for himself. Never said anything he owns that is his own. He said, I've been given by God. My car is given to be my God. This house is given to be my God. So he said, it's never mine. It is said it's given to me. So you, you understand the basic concept that you are entrusted with these beautiful things on this beautiful earth. And you're the trustee. So that means you take care of it. It's, whether it's Mother Earth, it's a rivers or mountains or, you know, uh, uh, Amazon, uh, you know, uh, jungles in Brazil or whatever. This is all your Mother Earth. And that's why we touch, we, we take a blessings of Mother Earth every time we walk on it because you're walking on your mother. So you're hurting her. So you always ask for forgiveness. These are very basic, simple, uh, common sense things which we have lost that was built into the culture, you know, that we never uh, understood, but they were very simple, but at the same time, it's so profound to be in one with nature, to be one with everything around you so that there is no need to go to leadership school. There is no need to go to, uh, you know, learn about things because your environment is your key. It is your guide. It is your compass that tells you 
which way to go. Like my grandfather made it very clear for me. Like he said, this is very profound and pay attention to it. And it may sound crazy in the beginning. And he said, the laws, you know, is for the people on the other side of the fence. And you're like, you know, that's very arrogant, right? The laws for the people on the other side of the fence, not for you, you know, uh, a young man. And I said, okay, okay. And for me, you know, he's my God. He's my grandfather. He's my everything, right? He's love of my life. Just like my father is my God, my guru, everything. And I said, okay, okay. Yes, yes. He said, now let me tell you why I say that. Because you're born in the privileged family, right? And he said, compass of your life should not be based on something legal or illegal. He said, compass of your life should not be based on something legal or illegal. Because he said, 100 years ago, slavery was legal. Shall we practice that? He said, 100 years ago, slavery was legal. Shall we practice that? I said, no. He said, why? Why not? And I said, well, that's not moral. And he said, that's the answer I was looking for. So he said, do things in life that is moral. Even if it's illegal, but moral, do it. And why I said it doesn't apply to you, this law, is because you're born in the privileged family. So it is your responsibility to make those illegal things, those are moral, illegal things. Those illegal things, they're moral thing to do, but they're illegal. So it is your responsibility to make it legal. So he said, compass of your life should be based on something moral or immoral, not legal or illegal, because legal and illegal can change depending on the century you live in. <laughs> but the morals compass doesn't change. Which century, what time, which situation, it's always the same. So that's what he taught me from the beginning. So there was no confusion. Everything was pretty clear. <laughs> wow. Well, that, that is powerful. I, I love that. Uh, again, it's so important to elaborate on, on the context of what's intended with the, the laws for the, the laws are for the people on the other side of the fence. Uh, I just love that idea of, of letting morality dr be the driver behind choice rather than, again, context of, uh, timing of, of what century you're born in or what government you live under or whatever. Um, anyway, and, and that, I think that's somewhat, uh, integrates to the work you're doing now because there is some some controversy there are some naysayers you know some, some opponents uh, to stem cell work right uh, yes. people who who have a different opinion so maybe we can talk a bit about that anyway yeah just just teach us more about uh, what's going on in this space and what you're doing and, and how it maybe not everybody agrees with it but it's making a tremendous difference in the world yeah, the field of stem cell science, we are in the field of stem cell science uh, in the stem cell research for the last 20 years. My partner, Dr. Anand Srivastava, he's the man behind this science. So he's considered the pioneer of this modern stem cell science that started 20 years ago. He started that 20 years ago in the top universities of Southern California, University of California, uh, San Diego, Salk Institute, Barnum Institute, University of California, Irvine, UCLA. These are the top, top research institute and San Diego being the hub of a, not only stem cell research, but the medical research of America. So this was started 20 years ago. Before that, he was doing genetic research. And he was thinking that there's got to be a better way, easier way for me to teach this to the doctor so they can practice it because gene therapy was very difficult. It's very complex. It is very dangerous if you can do it right. So he wanted to find something else. So he basically started this entire field single-handedly, basically, you can say, this modern field of stem cell science 20 years ago and started with the controversy. But there was no controversy 
in terms of science. It was more of a become a political issue, more of an economic issue, where when he started publishing in 2001, 2, 3, 4, all his findings, which basically talks about cures, going to the root cause of any kind of disease rather than just managing the disease by uh, medicine, you know, and modern medicine. But so modern medicine has its own limit. Till now, that's all we had, and that was good, right? But now we have something bigger, better, smarter, and that basically cures the root cause. So, you know, I'm not saying medicine is bad or pharma is bad or anything. It helped us for all these last century up to now to manage those chronic conditions or diseases. But now we have an option, a better science that is has no side effects and it's natural. And its only job is to repair and regenerate anything that degenerates in your body. So stem cell is a single cell or the master cell of your body. And from there, entire body is created. So, and its job is anything that degenerates or damages, its job is to repair and regenerate. And that is how the nature has created that. So we are using the power of nature. We are using the power of our own healing mechanism built in by nature or God, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, in it. And we are just enhancing our ability to live a much better life, disease-free life, uh, healthier life. So you can do great things that you are, you know, designed to do. Then suffering from pain, you know, a lot of people suffer after 40s or 50s, you know, people are suffering from some kind of arthritic pain, diabetes, some, you know, neurological condition, liver disease, kidney disease, lung disease, all that. And answer to all that is stem cell. And that is not, I am saying it is not my opinion. Every single university in the world today is deep down into the stem cell research. There are billions and billions and billions of dollars being invested by governments, by uh, private sectors. So they're not stupid. <laughs> and and that controversy that you thinking about, it's gone. That was for embryonic stem cell. We don't use it. We use adult mm. stem cell from, you know, my body or your body. So there's no uh, controversy anymore. There's no issue of rejection that what we do. So it works beautifully. I mean, I do my anti-aging. I'm 50 year old, you know, and I live very uh, horrible lifestyle because I travel so much eight, nine, 10 months around the world. So my sleeping cycle is totally, you know, screwed. Uh, my eating habits are I mean, you know, I can't eat on time because, you know, sometimes time to sleep, I'm eating in the other part of the world, you know. So, but it is stem cell that has kept me in a very good health and I'm keep abusing my body <laughs> so I can do this, <laughs> these things. But the whole point of Geostar, Global Institute of Stem Cell Therapy and Research and how it came in place, actually it came in existence. Uh, it was a divine intervention and literally divine intervention in temple, in an art. Indian temple in San Diego, where I met my partner, Dr. Anand Srivastava, and that's how it started. I mean, it's a literally divine intervention. And when he said that, hey, you know what, I'm talking about this science, I'm doing this science, and I don't know where it's going to go, well, I don't know what it's going to do, but it has a tremendous potential. And the only response I had, which I have no clue about this science at that time, 20 years ago, all I said is, okay, well, let's take it to the world. And that's how it hmm. started. And that was the contract. <laughs> that hmm, was the contract. Wow. And now I look back and I see it. It was that healing intensity, that whole emotion that comes out when I see somebody suffering finally led me to some kind of a science or technique or whatever you want to call or a cause that finally allowed me to now give that to the people. 
And the whole purpose of Geostar is this most elite, expensive, and advanced science of mankind. And we wanted to take it to the masses. Now, how do you take most elite, expensive, and advanced science to the masses? It's oxymoron. So what we do, we work with the world governments, help them develop their stem cell policies for the country, stem cell transplant program for their country, stem cell research program for their country, so that that gives us access to the masses and the infrastructure and money if needed so that it can reach to the masses. So that's somehow, if you see it, I manifested without knowing because deep down it was all since I was a kid. I told you earlier, this healing energy comes out and then now it is channeled through this science, which I had no clue that uh, wasn't even existed. You know, 20 years ago, we've been doing an old bone marrow transplant for blood cancer, lymphoma, leukemia. But other than that, there was nothing. And somehow, you know, when you connect the dots back, you realize, okay, that's where you're supposed to land. Actually, it makes sense now, now that you're looking back till today, it wasn't. And we're still scratching the surface. And fortunately, we were mm-hmm. one of the first company in the world to get USFD approval last year during the COVID in April 2020 to treat COVID patient with stem cell. And this patient, and we took our first patient, because it's under compassionate use approval, not full approval, compassionate use approval under uh, FD expanded access program. And the patient we took our first patient, usually you want to take the patient who is very, you know, not too bad because you're, you're going for the first patient. You want to be careful. We took the worst patient. This patient, because of the COVID, he was in ventilator for six, seven weeks. He was in coma because of that. His lungs were collapsed. He had a stroke. So he was paralyzed. His kidney was damaged. So he was in a dialysis. His liver was damaged. So basically he was a dead man for six, seven weeks. And we treated him with our proprietary stem cell treatment and we brought him back and he's Mm. he went into the uh, rehab and now home you know the man had no everybody else around him passed away you know and his condition was such that he has the least chance or no chance between doctors basically said he's not coming back we said well let's try you know there's nothing wrong in trying you know and that's what we've been able to do but this is just the one thing we have you know we have done so many help so many thousands of people around the world we have our own hospitals and we have a public private partnership around the world where we work where people come and and we've been able to help lots and lots and lots of people we did that for uh, veterans uh, in pain we're helping with them there are many many programs we we were trying to do Uh, also in san diego being a military town we're trying to do something with the navy here um, you know because our soldiers get everything last you know so i i was introduced to the vice admiral many years ago in a, a defense meeting here in san diego i was taken there and then at the end of the meeting i was introduced and we spoke and he said what do you want young man i said you know what we're the uh, the most advanced scientific town in the world, and our soldier gets everything last. I said something wrong with this picture. So he said, "That what do you want to do?" I said, "I wanted to build the best program for our soldier. You know, stem cell program. Give me a little corner in your VA." And he said, "How much money?" I said, "No, sir, I don't want any money. I want to just build the best program there. I'll do it. You give me the corner and the people. You know." And he said. Young man, look around. <laughs> You're in the defense meeting. I have the deepest pocket. That's why everybody comes here. You're trying to tell me you want to give me something? I said, no, with all due respect, I have something that I wanted to work in your VA hospital and I don't need money. And he said, I don't understand. I said, well, <laughs> it's okay, but see if we can do something about it. <laughs> so all kind of things happens. Wow. Really amazing. I've highlighted a few things from what you shared. I want to, I want to go back to, the, in particular, the moment in Temple, 
again, you can help us understand yeah. this as you would like, but I, I just generally, I understand that must be a very sacred place uh, as part of your faith tradition. Yeah. I imagine it's a quiet environment. I'm thinking about that conversation you had with your now partner who then was just a, yeah. some type of a relationship you had. You responded by saying, let's take it to the world. Yeah. What gave you the confidence to say that? Like, where, where did you, you mentioned it was divine intervention. I'm just curious, like, what, what was it inside you that created that clarity or outside of you? Maybe is a better way to say it to um, say, Let, let's take it to the world without fully understanding what you were necessarily saying. Because I saw those larger than life people you know, who lived life larger than uh, life, which is my grandfather, my father. They always did something beyond themselves. They reached out so far. So it was a natural response. Okay, so this is the best option to heal humanity. Then like it, let's take it to the world. It was not even I have to think, I have to try. But it was very intuitive response because now I see I was built for it. It, it was that moment I was prepared for for all these years in all different things all the routes i took i was supposed to end up in that temple i was the youngest president of this temple it's a hindu hindu temple you know uh people from india usually they are hindu you know and and you know it's a it's a basically universal uh you know lifestyle religion you can call it it is not a religion we call it as a lifestyle and uh I was, you know, president of the the um, the temple, so I would open the door and close the door. People come and go, people come and go, and I say namaste, and and then he goes all the way in the front to the close to deities and pray and sing beautiful devotional songs, and I would just sit in the back and listen or stand in the back, and he just approached me, and that was the that was my response, and not knowing anything about, but it sounded that this is what we've been looking for all these years, and I said, okay, then let's do it, and then. From there, I jumped and I have tendency of jumping all the way from, you know, high rise, not low rise or not two story building. I always go all high, all the way high and I jump. When I say jump, it is all about becoming one with it, becoming that thing that you love, the thing that you want to do, that thing that you crave, that thing that you've been dreaming for. So for me, it was natural to just become that. And, and I said, okay, let's do it without knowing nothing about it. I mean, no idea whatsoever what is stem cell science. He explained me very few seconds. This is what it does. And I said, okay, then it makes sense. And then we fought and fought and fought to the establishment to make this science see the reality. Otherwise, this would have not happened. See what happened. Uh, pharma kind of got a little scared that, hey, you know, if this science comes, maybe we won't be able to sell our pills. But that was their, uh, I would say, misplaced uh, fear. It was never like that. So they kind of created a lot of misinformation through lobbying in Washington and, you know, divided country into people for and uh, against the stem cell research. Uh, and and then at the time, 2004, Bush was a president and President Reagan died because of Alzheimer's. So Nancy Reagan wanted to find out the signs that Reagan was blocking would have helped Reagan in in his Alzheimer's or not. At that time, only authority in the country was Dr. Anand Srivastava, who is my partner and chairman of our organization. And that's how they talk. And then the interview were taken for them on the TV. And that's how all the debate started in the state of California. And at that time, Arnold Schwarzenegger wants to become a governor of California. And he kind of ran in the issue of stem cell and he won and Prop 71 was approved and $3 billion bond was given. So basically $3 billion came for stem cell research. And the biggest government department in the state of California for stem cell research was created. 
And I would say very humbly, the credit goes to Nancy Reagan, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Dr. Anand Srivastava, and a few who fought against the entire establishment to make this science see the daylight. So 20 years later or 15 years later, I'm talking to you and sharing with you. Otherwise, this science would have not seen the daylight. And this is the science of healing. This is the most natural way of treating your body because it's not a chemical. Stem cell is a unit of life. And its job is to regenerate and repair it. You know, so let's say when we, when, how the body is created, when you, when, when you build a building, brand new building, right? You have a lot of, lot of supply, right? Same with when your body is building, you have a lot of stem cell in your body and the building is being built. By age of 2022, 20, all your organs are fully matured. Means your body or the building is complete. When building is complete, what you do? You stop the supply. You know, you don't keep bringing the bricks and, you know, mortars and wood and anything because it's done. So once building is complete, you have a little storeroom where you have little storage, where you have little stud, some tiles, some light bulbs. And if little things breaks in the house, you go and fix it from your storeroom. But if the wall falls of your house, then you have to go to Home Depot. Same thing with our body. When body is complete, then you don't, you don't need more stem cell. Then you have a repair crew in your body, which is basically stem cell. And they keep going, going and keep repairing whatever is needed. But when you have a whole organ failure, like your heart fails or your kidney fails or your lung fails, that is same as whole wall of buildings falling. Then you need out, outside support. And that's where we come in. And we basically take stem cells from someone donor or from your own stem cells that are stored in certain areas of your body, your peripheral blood, your fat, your bone marrow, and we extract that, activate that, give it the intelligence and put it back and it goes and repair whatever is damaged. It's simple as hmm. that. <laughs> wow. It's really amazing. And I'm, I'm grateful you're taking time to explain some of the science because I think it's important for Again, maybe some of those like me who, who have been aware of some of the negative viewpoints and you've, you've shared with us that that's no longer even an issue and it's totally accepted. And, and beyond that, uh, thinking through the specific use cases or scenarios where it can be used, it sounds like it's almost limitless in terms of its application. Yes. Anything, anything that degenerates, because this cell is a master cell of the body. It creates the entire body. So anything that goes wrong, the cell has ability to fix it. Simple doesn't matter what, if it's your brain, it's your, it's your heart, your kidney, lung, liver. And in a modern medicine, we have nothing. We have nothing. And in a modern medicine, all we have is a management. If you have a diabetes, you take metformin for 30 years and you manage it. If you have a lung disease, you take certain condition. So only thing you can fix right now is if you have a bacterial uh, infection, then you take antibacterial medicine and you're fully cured. Or you have a surgery, you know, you break your bone or whatever, you cut it or fix it. But other than that, 70% of the disease remaining, which is everything from head to toe, from your brain to your legs to your heart, kidney, lung, liver, pancreas, there's nothing. Only option is stem cell. Wow. Really amazing. I want to go back to one other part of, of the experience you shared with the conversation you were in at the VA. You had this senior official you're talking with, and he basically said... Vice Admiral. <laughs> Why, okay, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Second man in charge of Navy. <laughs> Yeah, not a small uh, person to be talking with, a senior admiral. So, I mean, you you didn't take the money. You're seeing a bigger picture, I guess, is the point of, of what I'm what I'm looking to peel back a little bit and investigate. Uh, because you you've you mentioned earlier also that you're on the road. You're traveling many months out of the year. Most most of the time, you're on the road. Which again, we're so fortunate to have caught you in a spare moment um, and, and for you to share with us. But you're seeing this. Entry point as at the government level, you're going to 
to governments of the world. You told me off the air before we started recording today that you've never gone into a country, entered a country without the invitation of the highest office of the nation. And you told me that uh, you use the phrase, it is not me, meaning you're giving the credit to God because he is actively involved in this this work of of uh, helping this cause go forward at a higher level. Um, so it, again, I know I'm taking a long time to ask a question, but really the the thing that stands out to me is that you and your partner could have easily just started a for-profit corporation. Uh, you could have just said, let's just make as much money as we could as we can off of this and done very, very well locally there in San Diego and the surrounding area. But you've, you've stepped way beyond that. Like you're taking this to the world. Obviously you still have to generate revenue and make money, but it's not about that. It's about this bigger vision. So I'm just curious, like where does that come from? How did you make some of those big decisions that you would go for the whole world instead of just building a local company? Uh, it's, I never like anything small, whatever that small definition of small. I could, I mean, the whole earth is a little tiny little thing. So you think, oh, I want to take it all, all the whole world. Oh, that's yeah. a tiny little thing <laughs> in the bigger scheme of a thing. So, but uh, basically it's thinking beyond yourself, thinking bigger than yourself, thinking without yourself or thinking you are that everything that's around you. So there are a lot of ways to look at it, it you know, and, um, uh, and it's not about profit because my, again, my grandfather, you know, he said, <laughs> he said, if somebody tells you, uh, oh, you know, you meet people in the elevator. Oh, are you busy? Like, yeah, I'm so busy. He said, busy is only good when you add values to people's life and byproduct is money. Rest of the busy has a waste of money and time. He said, <laughs> busy is only good when you're adding values to the people's life. And by doing that, byproduct is money. Rest of the rest of that is a waste of time. And and he explains later on, he said, you know, byproduct means whatever you do, automatically byproduct becomes money, and that money is going to only enhance what you are doing. You know, it is not for you. You know, I told somebody, look, if you have a billion dollar, billion, okay, which is a lot of money, but you know, nowadays even we don't value billion. We say, oh, 20 billion, and Jeff Bezos has this much, and uh, you know, Elon Musk has hundred billion, and you know, all that. But if you just take a $1 billion, uh, Tyler, and you spend $100,000 a month, it lasts you for almost a thousand years. It is that enormous. And you buy a few homes, few planes, few cars, few boats. After that, what? You're only going to eat one sandwich or maybe two if you're too hungry every day. After that, what? You know, what are you going to do? You're going to be bored, you know, and, and, Maybe not. Maybe not. You like cars, you know, it's okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. But all I'm saying is why we go back to that original talk we talked about that doesn't matter what you have on this earth, you're not satisfied. You're, you're there's something's missing. That's, that's, that's aching or is itching to go back to your source, to expand into your source, to become that super consciousness. That, because you're made in that image, that will never satisfy you. It doesn't matter how many billions of dollars you have. You become a president of this earth, planet earth. Nothing, nothing's going to satisfy you because deep down, it is all about going back to the source, which is to become one with the rest of the universe. And till that satisfy, no matter you and I do, no matter what we talked about, no matter how many good words we use and so good feeling and good, I'm happy, it's never going to work. 
Well, I, I absolutely love this. Uh, and I think uh, it, it's just leading me to think more about an action item that we can present to the listening audience of something they can take and act on. Maybe it's this tapping into the hunger. You could kind of say that, that drive that's in each of us beyond. I mean, I, I love how you talked about that there's really an, a limit to material wealth or satisfaction for material wealth. And I love your phrase, after that, what? Like, you know, after you have the boat and the car and the house and whatever, then what? Uh, again, I've encountered this many times, even here on the podcast and some of the conversations I've had just in recent days about people who have achieved significant wealth themselves and especially been around significant wealth. And if there's not a greater cause, if there's not a bigger vision beyond just the wealth, there absolutely is a limit. And there tends to be this emptiness on the other side of that. Again, not that there's something wrong with, yeah. with the wealth itself. No, you, you need to take care of your family. You need to provide the beautiful home for your family to grow. Nice cars, safe cars, you know, uh, live in a beautiful neighborhood, uh, have a wonderful vacations, all that. I'm not saying you have, you must have that before you give up something. You have to have it. My father said, Oh, you're going to say, Oh, I'm going to give up everything. Well, but first you have to have something. First you have to achieve something. First you have to acquire something that experience that wealth, that whatever pain before you give up. You can't just say, Oh, you know, I'm a beggar and I'm going to give up for the everything. No, you're a beggar. What are you going to give up? Means he's, means he's saying, trying to say that you haven't used your potential yet. And you're trying yeah. to say, Oh, I give up. Oh, no, no, that is a cop off. <laughs> you know? So the action item, I wanted to read it from this little tiny thing. Um, this is a very simple, it's a paragraph. Entire, entire positive mental attitude industry that we are in today come from this one paragraph of this little book, you know, 50, almost 70, 80 years ago. Okay. And you're going to love it. Great. And it Great. makes so much sense. And it is so simple. You don't need to read all these books. I'm not saying they're all bad. They're all, you know, yes, read Dale Carnegie, how to win influence. I mean, how to win friends and influence people. It's a beautiful book or, or, you know, uh, Tony, Tony Robbins or, you know, uh, Michael Beckwith, you know, all that, do that. But if you understand this paragraph, you're done. You don't need to read anymore, <laughs> but you have to live that. And I'm going to read that. Okay. It's going to take me one minute or two. Is that okay? It's absolutely okay. I'm excited. It says spiritual power in man's word. And here the word man is not any gender. Man means human. So I wanted to make that very clear. So spiritual power in man's word. What does that mean? So the word saturated with the sincerity, conviction, faith, and intuition are like a highly explosive vibration bombs. Words saturated with sincerity, conviction, faith, and intuition are likely highly explosive vibration bombs, which when set off, which when set off, shatter the rocks of difficulties and create the change desired. When set off, shatters the rocks of difficulties and create change desired. So avoid speaking unpleasant word, even if it's true. Even if it's true, avoid speaking unpleasant words. Sincere words of affirmations repeatedly, understandingly, feelingly, willingly are sure to move the omnipresent cosmic vibratory force to render the aid in your difficulty. Avoid speaking it. unpleasant words, even if it's true. So sincere words or affirmations repeatedly, understandingly, Feelingly, willingly are sure to move omnipresent cosmic vibratory force to render aid in your difficulty. Appeal to the power 
with infinite confidence, appeal to that power, infinite power in you know, super consciousness, uh, superpower, God, whatever you want to call it, appeal to that power with infinite confidence, casting out all doubts. Otherwise, the arrow of your attention will deflect from its mark. So just pray, pray, pray that I told you in our earlier meeting, I pray more than anything else. I work 10, 15 hours a day and rest of the time I'm praying or even during that 15 hours, I'm continuously praying and whatever that means to you or anybody else. But for me, that is my anchor, that it brings me to my center, that it keeps me to my center, that keeps me focused, that keeps me going, that keeps me energized, that keeps me inspired, that keeps me live life larger than life, (laughs) that we are Mm. all meant to. You know, and the larger than life has nothing to do with great cars and, you know, uh, great homes, even though I love them. OK, don't take me wrong. You know, I love cars. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I wash my car and clean it. You know, I take one hour doing that. And my wife is, what's wrong with you? I said, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing wrong with it. OK, and and ma- nothing wrong with material, nothing wrong with wealth, nothing wrong being wealthy, nothing wrong being uh, wealthy in every sense with the material stuff in it. Wealth definition, we have narrowed down to just dollars, you know. But wealth, wealthy in your heart, wealthy in your mind, wealthy in your relationship, wealthy in your uh, family, wealthy in your love life, whatever it is, wealthy in your work life, whatever it is. As long as you're wealthy, you're going to do great things, you know. And and I always said, stand for something. Just don't take it, whatever people say and on face value. Stand for something. Pay attention to it because if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. So it's important. Even if it's wrong thing, stand for something. Sometimes I say. (laughs) Then you'll understand the power you have. It is about you understand the power within you. When you stand for something, you're like, yes, I can do that. You know, it is so simple. We, We read all these books and we get into this leadership seminars and all these things. But to feel that, no, it is within you. When you stand for something, it automatically invokes those energies that tells you that you are bigger beyond you. Sorry, I get excited. <laughs> no, I love it. I love the enthusiasm, and the excitement, and I love what you read as well. I just think there's so much. I think there's probably another uh, several episodes potentially just in discussing and, and dissecting and uh, and really emphasizing certain points in what you read. And I'd love to to get a copy. We can even post a copy of if you would like, if it's appropriate. We can. It would be wonderful. Yes, I'll send it to you. Great, great. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, we'll make sure it's in the show notes. So if people want to reread or examine the other parts of what's in that uh, that document, that'd be great. Um, and again, I just I'll end. You were so kind earlier to to express thanks uh, to me for my service, and I want to sincerely express the same to you. You are rendering a tremendous service to uh, humankind as you carry this this uh, cause forward of, of taking stem cell science and the healing power that's, that's in us uh, forward to the world. I think it's an amazing thing. And you're sacrificing eight to 10, 11 months, whatever it is every year away from your family, away from comfort and just uh, working to bring it to the highest levels of government in across the world. So I think it's amazing work you're doing. I'm truly grateful for your work. I'm grateful that you spent time with us today. Uh, if last of all, if people want to connect with you uh, or your organization, what's the best way to do that so they can be part of what what you're up to? You can connect to through my LinkedIn, Devin Patel. You look it up. Do you have Devin Patel Geostar or, you know, uh, you can email me my Devin at geostar.com. Pretty st- straightforward. I'm open. You know, I don't hide. I don't worry about it. I 
try to respond anybody and everybody because I get calls from all around the world and I don't know where phone rings. I don't know which country, what people, you know, and, and it, it's always good to just connect with people and nothing wrong with it. Uh, and you learn more. As I said, you become more gracious. You become more open-minded. You become less judgmental. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Well, and you've helped me become more of those, uh, at least begin to become more of those things today, just in your perspective and your, in your experiences. So, uh, again, thank you so much for sharing with me. And it's been a pleasure to be with you. I would love to have you back sometime and, and talk more about the work you're doing. Absolutely. Let's write a book, right? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, but I, I, my sincerest, sincerest gratitude to you, to listening to my babbling, you know. So thank you. <laughs> Oh, it's not, I don't, not babbling at all. That's the last word I would use for anything that you said. It was, it was really quite eloquent and powerful. And I hope that our listeners will take, uh, again, multiple actions that you inserted, uh, throughout our conversation to heart and go and do something with those, uh, especially the, again, the excerpt that you read, um, the, the idea of the mindfulness and the focus and not deviating from, uh, trusting that higher power. And I, I'm doing a poor job of giving it justice. So it's much better said in what you read. So I hope people will refer to that. Um, and yeah, just blessings to you. All the, the best, uh, best success to you as you continue forward in your mission. Thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. Very kind. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Exploring Leadership Podcast. To access free videos, leadership tools, case studies, tutorials, and more about how to engage your leaders at the next level, visit LumenLeader.com. We'll see you next time.